tiny thing we cannot see or taste or feel or hear has shut down nearly half our world and brought distress and fear. We've read about the plagues of old, how a virus gone astray has caused much sickness, death and grief with new reports each day. But many helpers brave this plague and serve those most in need and offer comfort, help and care through many a word and deed. We thank our true and gallant ones who risk their lives to bring relief and help to sickened folk touched by that tiny thing. Yet there are other tiny things to cheer each anxious heart. A smile, a wave, a caring note, though we must stay apart. A phone call, email, Facebook, Zoom can curb anxiety, while faith and hope and love abound to keep our spirits free. That is poet Ray Whitney, reading a tiny thing we cannot see. Over her 94 years, Whitney has written more than 500 hymns, songs full of praise and declarations of faith. Many of Whitney's hymn texts are perennial favorites, appearing in multiple Episcopal, Presbyterian, and Baptist hymnals. She wrote A Tiny Thing We Cannot See while sheltering in place in her retirement community in Nebraska. Like many artists and poets, she turns to her craft to make sense of the big and little things unfolding in our world. to Inspired, a production of Interfaith Voices. I'm Umbreen Khan. The COVID-19 pandemic has prompted artists, composers, and poets like Ray Whitney to create new sacred music of all kinds. Hymns, prayers, chants, praise music, and so much more. Organic expressions are cropping up around the globe and across traditions, with some transcending cultural and language barriers thanks to social media. In Japan, Chibo Kenjo, a Zen Buddhist priest, collaborated with electronic musicians to create a piece of sacred music intended to ritually ward off the coronavirus. It's called Repel. In India, a video of Hindu women performing in Arthi, a form of sung worship, this went viral with its lively chorus of coronavirus go away sung in Hindi. And in Great Britain, the Methodist Church hopes people worshiping at home will join together to sing new COVID-related hymns like When We Face an Unknown Future by Carolyn Winfrey Gillette. When we face an unknown future that we can't imagine yet, when the closeness we have treasured 
turns from blessing into threat. This week, producer Kimberly Winston takes a closer look at how the pandemic has inspired people of faith over the year to find comfort in sounds that heal and offer solace. Before the pandemic, of course, people sang, played, or listened to sacred music in community, usually at a worship or prayer service. But because COVID pushed most religious services online, and because one of the best ways to spread the virus is through airborne particles, these new COVID compositions are typically sung by people alone at home or maybe with others via Zoom or Skype. According to Amanda Udis Kessler, a composer of Christian hymns who lives in Colorado Springs, as a means of singing together, it lacks something. There certainly are people who are solitary worshipers in various traditions, but for many religious traditions, the gathering is really important. It's where people build community. It's where they see their friends. It's where they touch and hold people they care about. It's, It's where their voices join together in a common space. It's where they are reminded together of what's important. You know, when I think of the word worship, it means roughly the honoring or lifting up of what is worthy. Udis Kessler is one of many hymn writers and composers who belong to the Hymn Society, a Washington, D.C. organization that promotes congregational singing in churches in the U.S. and Canada. Brian Hain directs its Center for Congregational Song, and I asked him how singing together in a religious setting can benefit the people who do it. Like any other form of art, congregational song can help people and does help people when it's doing its job name and express things that they need to express. Singing this beautiful song with this with these beautiful lyrics or this certain turn of phrase or, you know, like with a, a visual art piece, the, the way something looks can unexpectedly express something that we didn't know we needed to express. Mm. And I think that happens a lot with congregational song. And that's what these songs can do that are being written to address COVID now you know, we sit all day home alone and we just feel bad, you know? And, and, and after a year of this, I know this has happened to me. Sometimes I'm like, why do I just feel just crappy? And I'll have a conversation on the phone and I'm like, oh, I feel better. I needed to connect to someone. And so, you know, when we sing at church and we, and we say something and we sing this sad song that expresses this longing to be together, it can release this tension. It could say, hey, God, I'm hurting here. And just by acknowledging that, it can unexpectedly provide us with a a sense of of relief and it helps us become more true to ourselves when we've maybe put up some barriers to try to make it through. Hain and others have identified some common characteristics of Judeo-Christian sacred music that address the pandemic. In general, I would say lament is the kind of category. But then specifically under that larger umbrella are things like, you know, naming our grief, the kind of longing to be together again, the waiting, the painfulness of that, um, the painfulness of the loss, uh, just, you know, the amount of death and loss. I'm just naming those things which is very biblical. No one knows exactly how many COVID-inspired compositions there are, but the Hymn Society has compiled an entire web page of such hymns from Christian sources. It's hard to quantify 
I think right now there are a lot more kind of topic driven hymns being written about specific things. Whereas sometimes it may skew more towards generic hymns of praise and things like that. So I have definitely seen an uptick in people that want to address the specific situation, more lament songs, more songs that name the tragedy that is COVID and the hurt and the longing that people have to be together. Christian sacred music has a long history with tragedy and crisis. See Michael Hahn, a professor emeritus of church music at the Perkins School of Theology, compiled a list of 10 Christian hymns written during times of plague, war, and natural disasters. Some of them, like Now Thank We All Our God, was written amid the disease and famine of the Thirty Years' War and is a stalwart of Protestant worship today. In 1750, Charles Wesley, the great Methodist hymnist, wrote, Righteous Lord, thy people spare, after a series of earthquakes terrified the population of London. And in grief and fear to thee, O Lord, was written by William Bullock, a missionary in Nova Scotia in 1854, after cholera there carried off 2,000 people. And there are perhaps hundreds of hymns sung in black churches and beyond that emerged from the tragedy of slavery. It's anyone's guess if any COVID sacred music will have that kind of popularity. And for Amanda Udis Kessler, the hymn writer from Colorado, that's just fine. One of her COVID compositions is called Jesus the Essential Worker, and it has lyrics in both English and Spanish. It imagines Jesus as a custodial worker, a delivery man, and a maid, and is a meditation on the inequality the pandemic has revealed. Jesus, the essential worker, will probably have a short shelf life. And and again, I don't care. I just needed to write that piece. It references a poorly paid, socially devalued essential worker getting sick and dying alone. And even though that happens all the time in many contexts, the kinds of essential worker referenced in that lyric, I think for most people, will resonate most directly with the COVID-19 situation. I would love to be wrong. I would love for the term essential worker to stay alive. And in that case, the song will have a longer shelf life. And even in that song, which for me is quite specific, the first chorus begins, you can see it in the numbers, some lives matter more than others. That's universal. That's just social inequality forever. And um, making the Jesus of the song um, sometimes male and sometimes female, giving uh, uh, providing a, a verse in Spanish. Those are very particular things, and they're meant to push back against both a very kind of ethereal notion of Jesus, putting it into the life of a mythical person today. I'm, you know, trying to push boundaries a bit, but also remind us of what's important. One of those boundary-pushing hymns tackles the virtual worship services many congregations have resorted to. It's called, Church is More Than Just a Building. Church is more than just a building, more than wood or metal or brick. Church is how we love our neighbors. 
classic. It seemed to me that there was going to be a lot of transition and struggle and pain and grief and loss around the move to virtual worship. Certainly people in my own congregation were experiencing it. And so I was shocked to realize that almost no one else in the hymn writing world was doing anything quite like it. And I just wanted something out there that would be comforting and joyous and that would directly acknowledge and own what virtual worship is like and would reassure us that we are still gathered, that we're not alone, that we can be together without being physically in the same place. Solomon Hoffman's foray into COVID sacred music came out of his experience as a hospital chaplain in New York City while it was reeling from the virus. We live right near a hospital and we just were hearing sirens all the time. And it was really just a sense of like helplessness and um, and fear. And, you know, if I did go for a run or take a walk briefly outside, when I walked by the hospital, I could really just feel the stress just kind of exuding out of the building and kind of just overhearing the hospital workers speak. That atmosphere of uncertainty and fear sent Hoffman, a musician, back to a composition he had shelved a few months before. It was a rendition of the third and fourth verses of Psalm 147, one of his favorites, in both Hebrew and English. When he was done, he sent the music to dozens of his friends from different faith and no-faith backgrounds and asked them to interpret it. The result is Harofe, Hebrew for the one who heals, a collage of singing voices, dancing bodies, and lilting instruments, all interpreting the phrase, May the light of the stars heal the wounds in our hearts in multilayered harmony. I really want to acknowledge that, you know, there's, we've experienced so much loss this year. Of course, the loss of life, but another loss that I'm grieving is the loss of in-person music making and in-person singing. May the light of the stars heal the wounds in our hearts. That's something that really nourishes my soul, and I've been missing this year. And I lead and participate in services on Zoom, but it's, you know, me singing with everybody else muted or somebody else singing and I'm muted. And the experience just isn't the same, and that's been a real challenge to feel the same spiritual connection when there isn't the connection of people's voices in real time. That was composer Solomon Hoffman discussing Harofe, a musical composition for voice and dance intended to acknowledge the losses of the COVID-19 pandemic. We also heard from hymn writers Amanda Udis Kessler and Ray Whitney, and from Brian Hain of the Center for Congregational Song. Coming up, Kimberly Winston continues her conversation with Solomon Hoffman. We meet Keely Garfield, the Buddhist choreographer who collaborates with Hoffman to use music and dance as a way to heal. Stay with us. You're listening to Inspired, a production of Interfaith Voices. Hi, friends. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of our community. I don't know if you know this, but we are on the air all the way from Richmond, Virginia to Ketchikan, Alaska, and in so many places in between. 
We're a national show, and we are a small and mighty team committed to bringing you stories and sounds from around the world that convey not only the diversity and the pluralism of our country, but the beliefs that are shaping our world, our politics, our culture, and the ideas that sustain us and inspire us to think about where we are going. And that brings me to this question. If you value us, if you enjoy listening and appreciate what you're hearing, I want to ask you to take a moment to consider becoming a sustaining member of Interfaith Voices or make a one-time donation at interfaithradio.networkforgood.com. That's interfaithradio.networkforgood.com. Thank you, and let's get back to the show. <laughs> 